everybody, welcome back to The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece rewatch podcast and a little bit of terminology that I thought about this week and technically I've got it wrong in however many times we've done this so far. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Brian, and with me is Steve. Hey, what's up y'all? Welcome back to The Reluctant Cruise. Glad to see y'all back. And Slash. Uh, my name has now been changed to Sweat because it is August 20th as I write this in my journal. And um, my body has changed forms. I hate it here. Final form. It's hot as fuck. You're damn right. I'm very sweaty. I've been very sweaty all this week, and I really don't like it. Oh, yeah. Well, just for context, there's a heat wave going on in Los Angeles. That's why we're all fucking hot and sweaty. One could argue that some of us, me, just is kind of like that in general, but it's just so much worse right now. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah. So all of us are sweating. And yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible time. But you know what? We're having fun with this podcast. So yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun. You know where it probably wouldn't be as hot? It probably wouldn't be as hot out at sea. That's not true. Fuck those there's guys. A, there's parts of the ocean that are like on fire. But we'll get there later. <laughs> God damn it. There's an answer for everything. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Shit. It's like there's fucking 900 episodes for me to just, like, get shit on from. Yo ho. We haven't even le- landed on the desert planet yet. Nah, man, you got 800 and... Uh, desert continent, excuse me. 80. No, it's over 930 episodes, isn't it? So it's still over 900 episodes. Okay, well, you have nine nine. Okay, you got 910, 920, somewhere around there. Fuck. Anyways. He's making a dent. What did you say last week, I think? Or two weeks ago, since you recorded? We've gone through a few tiny arcs so far. We're making moves. You said we're like 1% or 2% down? Yeah, bro, I think we're 2% down now that we... Uh, now know. we can find the rest of the milk percent. Where does it go? Yeah, bro. <sighs> Every 10 episodes is about a percent. More one piece of milk. Bro, just wait until we're like ten to the way done. It's gonna be great. Anyways, yeah, let's uh let's cut to the episode recap. Rewatch. What we're doing. You wanna take the lead on this first episode, Slash? Uh looks like I don't have a choice. No, I chose to do this one actually. So last time, uh we ended off on what was Sort of an episode that some people might think would have been filler, but nah, it's just like a goofy little side story. We get less and less of those over time, but this episode sort of follows in that same vein, but actually it focuses on one of our main characters, and it is a flashback episode. Eh, this one, this one, thankfully, is only a one-episode flashback. So as it is translated in the title here, it is episode 19, The Three Sword Styles Pass, Zoro and Kunia's Vow. Or excuse me, Kuina. Jesus. I want to say Kunia, but no, it's Kuina. Uh, so anyway, uh, the episode starts off in present time. They're just kind of wandering. And now Usopp is with the crew. And they're on the Mary. Luffy's like, hey, I want to test out a cannon. Let's get these cannons. And him and Usopp are just arguing and doing things in the background. And then Nami notices that Zoro is taking a nap while this whole argument is taking place. And that is when flashback starts because just the whole dream sequence thing. So Zoro is thinking about his youth 
and thus our Zoro flashback begins to kind of give his backstory a little bit of a context. Um, I don't for note remember if this happens at this point in the manga. I know it's definitely this flashback is canon. I just forget where specifically. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. So but this does happen though. This isn't just flavor text for an episode. This is actually. This does. This is the general context between Zoro and why he is, uh, he is who he is, and at least how he starts off his his journey. So anyway, flashback, and then a young, kind of scraggly, let's say like eight or nine years old kid is standing outside a dojo in a village, and he's watching a bunch of students train, and it's obviously some kind of swords uh, dojo. And he busts into the place and he talks to the master and says, like, I want to be the best swordsman here. And I'm going to challenge whoever the master of this dojo is to a duel. And if I win, you have to make me the master. And if not, you have to train me. So instead of the actual master of the dojo challenging him, because I think he can tell that Zoro's kind of just this rambunctious, wayward kid at this point, he... um uh, brings forth his daughter instead, and that is who Kuina is. Uh, Zoro's like, oh, whatever, I can beat this chick, right? What does she know? So Zoro picks up a bunch of wooden swords, and he's got like a whole bunch in each hand and several in his mouth, which is an allusion to how he will eventually fight with three-sword style. But right now he's just kind of, uh, I think Kuina eventually describes it as like a raging boar, like a raging beast. She kicks his ass immediately, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's just like, damn. And he keeps going in, going in, but he just he can't get a hit, and he just he takes a fat L. And then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna train every day at this dojo until I can finally beat Kuina. And there you get a training montage of Zoro kind of picking up the pace, out training all the other students. So he's doing just it's just a bunch of different training things. Like he's lifting rocks with his mouth, rocks that are tied to rope. And he's like doing all these weird pull-ups and weight pulls and just everything, which is he's obviously training way more than like a kid his age would normally train. Even the other kids in the dojo are like, what the hell, man? He's just he's just getting jacked. He's running circles around these kids. There's even a I mean, he seems to get along with the other kids because there's a, a scene where he's doing like running. And then instead of like continually running with them, he runs past them. But then in an, another scene where he runs later in a montage, he is running, but another student is on his back and he's running with the student on his back for more weight. And it's just, he's clearly, he's clearly got the goal in mind. He just wants to be better. He's just straight up, no way around it, trained to get good. But even after all that and fending off other students in the dojo and trying to learn, he gets his ass handed to him by Kuina once again. And he seems to take the loss a little better this time, but he's still... Still can't beat Kuina. Still can't overcome that mountain. Okay, so I want to make a real quick comment, but like, yeah, like I was just thinking this, like the Zoro just shows up at the dojo and he's like, I challenge you to your dojo. You lose, it's mine. I lose, I become part of the dojo. Like, this kid's an entrepreneur at this young of age. Like, this man shouldn't have been a swordsman. He should have been an entrepreneur in my opinion. This man's making incredible 21st century deals right now. And he's just winning. Yeah, he said he wanted the whole ass house. You very much hit him with a you lose, I win, I lose, I win scenario. 
Yeah, he, he, he set him up for success either way, which I think the master of the dojo kind of understood. Like I said, that like Zoro is kind of a, a loud but well-meaning kid. So he's like, okay, I'll humor you. But regardless, I think he realized that he wanted to be trained and wanted to have, I guess, a goal to strive for. At least that's what it seems to be yeah, from I agree my that, yeah. point of view so far. The dojo, or at least their leader, at least seems to kind of understand that. So he trains, and he loses the fight to Kuina for the 2,000th time, mind you. Big numbers. He's, many L's was stacked up. But it's just crazy because, like, you know, they're, all the other students are whispering, like, huh, that's crazy. Like, Zoro's not weak. He's kicked our asses a bunch. You know, he's definitely getting stronger. But then I was like, how strong is Kuina? Like, how strong does she work then? So it's still, still a big challenge for him. And then they even go so far as to oh, because I didn't mention oh wait no I did mention the because uh, the, the dojo leader is because uh, Kuina is his daughter, and then he's he's like no I'm not giving her any special treatment no training no nothing like that like she's just working that hard. Later we cut to a scene of her father the dojo leader discussing with another guy who I'm not sure if this is like a town leader or like a mayor or just someone important in town but either way it's someone who clearly bears like some kind of importance to the daily function of the town i believe and to some extent and he's discussing he's like oh yeah like a female sword fighter has many barriers and there's a lot of like sexist undertones to it and it's just like poor societal problems queen is always going to be held back to the point where i guess for whatever like unfortunate social mores exist where they live Kuina couldn't inherit the dojo and be the leader because she is a woman and it sucks and she Breaks in on that and she's like, well, what the hell? I'm going to keep being strong and be strong enough to deserve it. And then she runs away after her dad is kind of just like, but that couldn't happen. Like a woman wouldn't be able to become the best. And then she just, that just breaks her. And she's like, no, I, I won't accept this. Night goes on. And then as Zoro is wandering around, he finds her. And then she is just not, ha she's not having a good night. She's obviously coping with the, harsh realities of these terrible people who want to limit her just for the fact of the way she was born and the way she exists. Um, despite that was something she had no control over and Zora approaches her and challenges her. But instead he's got real ass swords this time. He, he bought the real guns to the gunfight. No, no messing around with the, the pop guns anymore. Or I guess he bought the swords to the yeah, sword man, fight this time. Um, this guy's a, a real deal. Yeah, he's like, no, we're gonna let's fuck it up for real. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna get in there, like, life or death. And then, Kuina is like, okay, fuck it, let's do this. Because uh, before they'd have been fighting with wooden swords. By the way, I kind of mentioned Zoro picked that up when he dueled the the dojo leader, her father, but or when he was trying to challenge him anyway. But yeah, he he was. It's it's all been wooden swords up to this point. But yeah, she accepts the challenge, but she goes into her family's homes and gets. A, a sword with a white head, I think it is, or like a white, uh, not a. That's the name for it. It's the Wadochi Imonji. Wadochi Imonji. Yeah, Wado Wado yeah. Which there's actually like a mild history to the sword that we learn much later in the show as far as where it came from. Um, and that has a lot of speculation for other things that happen later. But either way, it's a sword that um, eventually becomes a bit iconic for Zoro. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to that at the end of this episode. But yeah, um, he's going in and they're going at it, and then they're going at it with I think just one sword each. They're really just trying, uh, and then he manages to get close enough to cut some of her hair. Like, oh wait, no, he has two swords. That's what it is. Yeah, sorry. 
Uh, but they're going at it, and then like he does that like tropish thing where he gets in like, aha, I can, I'm starting to figure it out, and he he cuts just a tiny bit of her hair off, and then she's like, nope, he is wearing out because the real swords that he is using are just not what he is used to in terms of weight. It's just he's just not having it, and she's doing fine, and she keeps teasing him about the stamina that he's lacking. He's just like, nope. Uh, like two swords that's really heavy right like you're getting tired aren't you and they have a little more back and forth but she's able to disarm him knock both of the swords out and then she does the always iconic i'm stabbing the sword right next to you but just close enough to not hit you position where it's, it's enough to shock him to imply that she won the battle because she could have finished him off so yeah real badass moment honestly yeah it's pretty dramatic it's interesting to see zoro continuing to just like lose and lose and lose but that is the pillars that build success right it's constant struggle and pushing through losses but yeah so he just he's there he's like damn another one like he just keeps taking the l's kuina after he gets up tries to i guess console him and even starts to give in to some of the awful like sexist rhetoric that she's been fed and just says, like, oh, don't worry, like, we're already starting to come of age, or like, our puberty is starting to hit, like, you're gonna get stronger because you're a man, and, like, she's starting to buy into all the bullshit that her father is saying, and, like, you know, a woman can never be the world's greatest swordsman, and Zoro's like, what the fuck, fuck that shit, you're the challenge I've been working toward, don't give up just because other people are, you know, talking nonsense to you, like, you're already stronger than me, if you keep training, you could still be stronger, and then, from that point, they make a promise to keep training, and eventually work towards their goal of who who can become the world's greatest swordsman first. And with this, Kuina is actually a bit empowered and feels like, yeah, no, I can do this. And she wants to keep training. And then it cuts back to another training montage at a fixed time later. Unfortunately, Zoro is training. He's doing his thing. And then a couple of his classmates, or I guess his dojo mates, come by. And they at first are shocked because of the way that he's training at least that's what it looks like but he stops and he's like what's wrong guys and they tell him that out of the blue kuina is dead which i have thoughts about this in a second but according to the adults kuina had died when she fell down storage room stairs and uh she was looking for a sharpening stone or a whetstone for her katana at the funeral the dojo master thanks Zoro for joining the dojo and motivating Kuina to train that hard. And Zoro asks if he can keep the Wado Ichimonji. And he obviously swears that he'll keep the promise that he made to Kuina to become the strongest swordsman. And the master obviously gives it to him. And then you have a time passage of about seven or eight years at that point. And then you see Zoro when he's more of his present age. And how he works himself up and heads out to see the rest of the world and see who he can fight and train against. So that's Zoro's flashback. Kind of simple. There's a, a really sad note to it, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Because there's one more point to the episode. So as this finally flashes back, because remember this is Zoro's like daydream on the boat. Uh, Luffy and Usopp are shooting cannons finally. And... Luffy fails at trying to hit a tiny spit of rock out in the distance, but Usopp does hit the target because, I mean, he's the he's the shooter marksman guy, and he's so surprised. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally meant to hit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he still hit it, and he looks super impressive to them. But um, eventually, 
they are napping in the cabin um, and talking about what kind of crew member they want to add next, whether it's a musician who Luffy can't shut the fuck up about having a musician crew member, as we will continue to notice. So will it ever get addressed? I don't know. Uh, but then, yeah, then they're like, they start hearing noises from the outside. And when you're in the ocean, no one's around. That means someone needs you to really close or actually trying to, like, raid your ship. So, like, what the fuck's going on? Um, so Luffy goes outside, and then a man named Johnny has showed up on the boat. And his partner, Yosaku, was actually out on the island where... Wait. Okay, hold on. No, that's... Hold on, hold on. That's the next part of the episode. But you know what? I'm just going to spoil that little bit there because I know we're going to segue right into it. Basically, the tiny spit of land that Usopp happened to nail or where these two weirdos were coming from. But the point that I was going to make that ends the episode off is that Zoro, as Luffy is trying to talk off these guys, who are like, hey, why'd you just shoot at us out of nowhere, you jackass? He's like, wait a minute. I know that voice. And apparently back when Zoro was doing his gig as a pirate hunter... Uh, he knew Johnny and his partner, and that is where the episode ends. Great episode, honestly. Yeah. Really emotional. Yeah. Like, we, we can talk about the segue stuff when we get to the next one, honestly. But yeah, as far as Zoro's flashback goes, so I, I think, I think it's interesting because I mean, at this point, we've seen we've seen the basis of Luffy, and then we all we know all about Usopp. Now, we still have, we are waiting to hear about Nami, but that will come soon enough um, in a, a very fun climax to some of these early, early seasons here, early arcs. But yeah, Zoro was the one that was at least missing a little bit as far as the story to be told. And um, I guess not really major spoilers, but what you see is kind of what you get here. It's very simple. But upon rewatching this again, what do you, what do y'all think about Kuina just suddenly dying? I, I I have some thoughts on this, but what do you guys think about this episode and like this segment? It it seems more suspicious now. Like there's some other tie-ins. I don't know if this is me just being kind of sketched out by Oda's writing sometimes because he always you'll find out in the series of this podcast like Oda always attack all these weird characters and there's all these weird ties back into each other and. Rewatching this really makes you think, like, oh man, there's something fishy about this. I, mean, I don't know what you had in thoughts for mind, um, Brian. I'm not looking for as much forced shadowing as you guys are, but yeah, I think when they first showed Queena in a lot, la- la- ah, I cannot talk today. When they first showed Queena in a past episode, I think I specifically said. Nothing bad is going to happen with this whatsoever. And what do you know? Here we are. Yeah, my, my thing, because I know you said, I mean, we're like, for us, it's because we're just looking at different angles of like, oh, how did he like foreshadow this if at all? But like I said, with the Zoro flashback, up to the point in the story now, like, Sans, a couple things we'll talk about later. There really have been no like, oh, but here's this big connection that leads back to Zoro kind of moments. And several characters have had that. Um, one or two very particularly, which again, that's things to come later. But weirdly enough, Zoro kind of has the simplest backstory up to this point. I want to say like even Usopp has, you know, some complexity in his hometown and uh, his dad leaving. I mean, that's tied into Shanks, who 
uh, using Shank's crew, Yasop, and you know, like Luffy at least knew him. So it's like there's kind of a relation there. But Zoro just happens to you know kind of not meet Luffy by chance, but you know he happens to meet Luffy in the way he does, and he goes with them because he believes in. You know, he's like, okay, I, I, I can stick with this guy. I can tell he's like a good guy. You, you can tell Zoro has a decent sense of right and wrong, even though he doesn't have a good sense of direction. But it's like, it, it, despite how, I guess, Zoro does end up developing over time, weirdly enough, like, his backstory is kind of just what we've gotten. And I think a result of that could just be the fact that it's like an earlier backstory and Oda maybe just never meant to do more with it. But... Watching this episode, the main thing I wanted to point out was like, yeah, like I just generally thought Kuina's death was really sudden and weird now that I'm rewatching it again because it's like, okay, she's sad because she's realizing that the world is like a terrible sexist place a lot of the time and there's unfortunate barriers put upon her for the sake of nothing more than the fact that like she just exists the way she does and like that's terrible um now that that draws into like one of the many things that i think one piece likes to touch on in terms of a theme you know oda will present these kind of more real world issues and like make them applicable to characters in the show like that so it's like that's a super real thing sometime job inequality and status and stuff like that based on just like gender inequalities but like watching it again just suddenly because like i knew she died but i forgot why and the fact to me that i'm like wait no she just dies like, it, it's just nothing. I don't know if there are conspiracy theories about it. I know there's conspiracy theories about something else that happens later in the show, but I don't want to touch on that now until we meet those other characters um, as far as Zoro's backstory. But it, as far as, like, why Kuina died, I often wonder if, looking at it now, it's like, did her father and or someone related do her in because, like, oh, she's too strong to be kept alive. I, I got the vibe of that somehow, like, very loosely. Especially because there was like the weirdo guy at the house talking to her dad. So I don't know. Am I digging too hard? Some part of me says yes, but also some part of me says that it could be something a lot deeper. Um, I don't know if this is just what Oda planned and Oda was like, oh, well, it's probably not going to go that far. Probably won't go past 300 episodes or 400 episodes or whatever. And look where we're at now. So... I don't know if it's just like, ah, here's a quick little thing, and let's go from there. But Yeah. Yeah, I had kind of assumed that she would have, uh, I don't know, I pictured like, oh no, she suddenly got sick, and that's what happened. Not just like, oh hey, Zoro, she's dead. And everyone's just like, what? Yeah. Like, to me, because, again, yeah, she, she, she was sick, or if like, uh, um, I mean, like, Usopp's mom got sick. That's just a thing. Like, yeah, we're in this world where it's like there are variances in technology and different islands have different, let's say, like, science and medicine access to them. It would make sense that on this, like, water world, high seas, pirate uh, planet, people would fall prey to different diseases and maybe not have the means to cure them as fast. Maybe if they're not in, like, an area that's, like, protected by the marines or something like that you know that's drawing some straws but again like looking at Usopp's mom who died because of something super real like that that's pretty sad but it's like okay yeah like she passed away it's just like she got sick it's just something i think is more easier to accept is like i don't know people get sick sometimes like that sucks and like who knows if she had a pre-existing condition or not or something like that there's what ifs you can ask but you can you can fill in the gaps in your head is what i think i'm getting at like make it like acceptable enough even if you want to like 
paint a bigger picture for it versus this is like, yeah, no, Kalina didn't get sick. She it's just kind of like, oh yeah, she died getting a sharpening stone. Oops. <laughs> like I just I don't know. I I I I can accept that this could just be a simpler backstory that Oda wrote. And the, the point he wanted to nail in was that Kuina passes and Zoro carries that as like like carrying on the will of my my dead friend, you know that kind of childhood promise. Like I can accept that, but I just like it's the 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 death and how it is painted to have occurred doesn't really sit well with me anymore. But I think that's the only thing. Otherwise, good episode. There you go. Yeah, I think you're. I think I'm also reading into it too. You might be just because of Kuina's sword and we know a little more about that um, from seeing One Piece and reading One Piece as well so maybe we're just putting a lot more emphasis on it well that was episode 19 we're getting a little Zoro flashback here here and there but yeah let's move right on to episode 20 because you know what you know what that means we're 2% done 2%, 2%, people. 2%. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 2%. Okay, so here we are. Episode 20. Episode Niju for our Japanese listeners. Famous cook. Sanji of the Sea Restaurant. So here we are. We're out at sea. We get this weird kind of first vision at look at little things. And there's this uh, this couple on a boat. It's a marine vessel, which is weird because they're supposed to be out guarding the seas. It's not like they're corrupt or anything like that. I mean, they're come on, they're marines, right? Anyways, they're like making plans for an upcoming date, and they're like, "Yeah, where should we go?" Oh, anyways, he's like, "I know just the place," and we cut away. And so we are seeing this guy putting up a fight. On top of the merry go with Luffy, man, his name is Johnny. He reveals his partner's in critical condition, and he's like literally dying. Like you see him, he's pale as can be, and they, oh man, it's all bad. So this kid's been passing out left and right. He's and his tongue's blue or whatever. I mean, I'm sick, sick. Um, and so it's on this tiny little island. It looks like a little rock or whatever. It's a little small piece of land. And well, what do you know? Coincidence, huge thing in this uh, this series that Usopp and Luffy were doing some target practice at the small island. He's like, Usopp, I bet I can hit that right over there. He fires, misses. It's Luffy, come on. What do you expect? You expect him to hit it? Nah. And Usopp's trying, like, yo, let me try it. And he nails it first time. Thing crumbles right in half, like, Imagine a horizontal split and and the top just comes tumbling off. It's crazy, man. Who knew cannons were that powerful? Back to these uh these invading people, and they're like, "Oh my God, we almost got killed because of your cannon." Now we need to about my friend. He's like, "I don't know what's happening," and they're like, "And eventually, he's like, ah, stupid people, boys." That's why I imagine she'd say, "Oh, boys, so." idiotic kind of that that like know-it-all attitude that she does have and uh pulls out his tongue starts touching his cheeks and we should, we should like that and i find out oh this man's got scurvy what i've never heard of this right 
What's your no? Oh yeah, where you don't eat any like vegetables or fruits or any fresh kind of food for days and days and days and days on end. And there's some historic things too, like yes, a lot of um, fire thickets here because they didn't have access to these vegetables and fruits and stuff like that. It was a common problem. And usually got sick while it's on seat. So there is some facts to one piece is a very itchy shows up back to Nami and Nami's like, Luffy, Usopp, go get the lime zack. And Usopp's like, right away, man. <laughs> and starts walking. Luffy's like, roll so fast. I'm gonna get the limes now. And so now they're fighting over the limes and stuff like that. Oh, they're squeezing limes into this passed out guy's mouth. He's like, <sighs> like all just like, like he's just sprawled out and he's like, oh, I'm dying. But he's not like actually. And so they're squeezing limes into his mouth. Next thing you know, Stefan cut up limes into his mouth and it's just crazy. And they're talking, talking, talking. The next thing you know, this guy's like perfectly fine. Like almost instantaneously. It's crazy, man. He's just like, I'm back. And I'm like, yo, it's my bro, Yosaku. And Yosaku's like, yo, it's my bro, Johnny. Yeah, man. And they start skipping around and celebrating, man. It's a joyous time. And I'm like, yo, is that bro, Zoro? Yo. They're just like super chill. They're like, oh my God, it's the brothers. And they're back and they're having time and whatnot. It's really joyous right now. Like, this kid is, is alive somehow, some way. And honestly, it's crazy. We find out that Johnny and, and Yosaku are some of Zoro's pirate hunter friends. They're like, yo, man, what are you doing hanging out with these pirates, bro? And so, next thing you know, they kind of panda Luffy and they're like, yeah, we should really get a, a, a cook for our, our ship, you know? That would really be helpful. Yosaku kind of just passes out and uh, they kind of put him back in like one of the rooms or whatever. Eventually he's fine and stuff like that. They sh- stuff some more limes in his mouth. And so nobody's, nobody, Yosaku doesn't die. So he's too cool to die. So they're talking and they're talking and they're talking. And they're like, Yo, we really need to get some nutrition on this. And we can't be eating bread and, and meat all the time. We can't be doing that shit. Like, come on, man. Here they are. They're like, oh man. Was it Yosaku or is it Johnny? Do you know who it was, Slash? For uh, who does what now? Sorry. Oh, they were like, um, I know this great place where you can find this great cook. And he'll go on your ship immediately. Who's? Oh, yeah. No, I, f- I forget who says it specifically. It was either Johnny. But I know at least was... one of them mentions that there, there's a, a great restaurant that's generally close enough by. And there should be some good cooks there. Yeah. So they're like, yo, we should check out this place if you want a good cook for the, the high seas. And so, anyways, I think Nami is doing some stupid around, and uh, she finds one of posters, and uh, she sees this picture, this kind of weird-looking feller. Um, the poster reads Arlong, and she is just like getting flustered by it. And Yosaku and Johnny are like, "Yo, man, these are our posters. Like, we get them, and we catch these bad guys." We take them in, and we get fat bounties. You know, like gold, cash, berries. Kind of smooth and stuff like that. I don't know, it's just how I think of 
uh, Yosaku and Johnny, they're like smooth cats. Yeah. Here we are. We're coming up on this floating restaurant. The moment everybody's been waiting for, the Barati. Except there's a marine ship there. You know, there's marine ships, shit's gonna go down. And so they're like, okay. These marines, by the way, are being led by uh, this lieutenant whose nickname is Iron Fist because in the show, he has like um, basically a row of knuckles. I would say that that's how he gets the name Iron Fist. Finally, the Marvel crossover that I've been waiting for. That makes one of us. Who knew Thanos would make an appearance in One Piece? That's... No. (laughs) Yeah. This kid with the non-iron gauntlet but an iron knuckles. Here we are. He's like, oh, you're pirates? We'll take this. And he fires a cannon right at the, the Mary. By the way, they're both sailing up to the variety at about the same time. They're not, like, too far away. Um, and so, like, you know, fire this kid at this pirate ship. They're scoundrels. And, uh, and Luffy's like, oh, no, you're not. Oh, I'm going to block it. And literally, he fires a cannon. And next thing you know, Luffy pulls his badass slingshot kind of move, and this cannonball gets stuck right into his belly. He's hanging onto the mast and the, the sheep's head and there you go. He's getting stretched out, stretched out until peak. A little bit of uh, the sheep's head breaks. At this point, he was about to fire back at that, that marine ship, really make its day. Next thing you know, he turns like 90 degrees to the left, facing the Barati, the, the sea restaurant, and full-on propels the cannonball back out, and it goes flying, flying, I tell you. It's, it crashes into the roof of the Barati. Man, rest in peace, roof. Rest in peace. Literally, didn't know, they almost killed the head chef. Chef Zeph. Luffy's like, you see a bunch of chefs that are pulling his ass in. They're like, this is the guy that, that crashed in your roof. It's not Santa Claus. It's this guy. And so Zeph's like, you know what you did, boy? You crashed my roof. You almost killed me. For that, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay for my medical bills. You're going to have to pay for this new roof. And Luffy's like, all right, name your price, mate. Let's do this. What do you want from me? And Chef Seth's like, you know what, boy? You're going to work here for a year unpaid. And Luffy's like, all right, I'll work here for a year unpaid. What What the fuck? Oh, my God. He's like, no, I can't do this. I gotta be a pirate. I gotta be out in the sails, going towards the Grand Line, the biggest arc of it all. And Chef Seth's not having it. He's like, you know what, boy? You're a candid. Oh, 
you're real candy, you're really loose lips, you know what I mean? So he's like, fuck, I'll do one week. That's like, boy, who the hell you think I am? Born yesterday? You can't do that. You can't do one week only. And Luffy's like, fuck, I'll do two weeks. He's like, boy, I oughta just, you know, I just lay into him kind of just like, you're real candid about that shit, aren't you? And Luffy's like, fine, final offer, three weeks. And Zeph's like, you know what, boy? You're still working here for a whole year. Whole year. It's not looking real good at all for Luffy. He's going to be stuck in this kitchen doing shit that he doesn't even like for a year. <laughs> real big setback here. <laughs> so shit's going down, man. Shit's just wild. We pan back into the, the restaurant and this uh, Iron Fist guy, whose name happens to be Lieutenant Full Body. Yeah, full of shit is what his name should have been. Anyways, he's like trying to press his date and the waiter comes up. He's like, here, would you like some wine? Very genesis wall. Put some wine in, in both him and his date's glass. And he's like, you know what? It's a very nice wine. I think I know where exactly this is from. It's from some island. I don't remember what the name of the island is. It begins with a Z, I figure. The waiter's like, nah, you dumbass. You ain't close. You're so wrong, dude. Iron Fist is pretty fucking evil. Not gonna lie. This man's got some real fucking trust issues and self-esteem issues. It's real bad. He's like, oh no, how do I look in front of my date? Uh, well, not even that. It's just like, he makes... He's the one we had a big old fuss about if I could just butt in. Like, ah, oh, this wine. I know it inside out. It must be this. And the uh, waiter's like, nah, dog. Stop embarrassing yourself. Cringe. And then the whole restaurant's just like, wow, what an idiot. And you can just, like, cut the tension. He just he, he takes the big sandbag to his face. And it's just like, ugh. We find out that this waiter's name, who happens to be a sous chef of the entire thing, because for some reason, they don't have waiters here. They all quit last week. So happened to be. And this waiter's name is Sanji, the sous chef. We pan back to Luffy. He's working in the kitchen, or he's working hard, or hardly working, one of the two. And so he's like basically rocking back in his chair, and, and he's breaking some plates and, and shit like that. He's just being basically a nuisance. Honestly, like he's not working, he's just being a nuisance. Then we pan back to Sanji and this full body guy. And he's just trying to pick a fight with Sanji. He's just like, I'm I'm a badass. I'm a I'm gonna show you what that's like. There's this bug that's crawling around the floor. And apparently Mr. Iron Fist stomped on it. Splat goes he picks it up and puts it in his soup. In order to really just Hammering how shitty this restaurant is. It's not really a shitty restaurant. It's actually a really bougie-ass place. Like, not going to lie. Like, this is nicer than McDonald's. That's for damn sure. Do you imagine that, though? McDonald's out at sea? That'd be dope. Like, instead of a drive-thru? That'd probably exist on a cruise liner somewhere. Or it would be a sail-thru instead of a drive-thru. 
Could you raid a McDonald's if it was on the ocean? Because it's in international waters and get away with it? No. McDonald's, no. Burger King, maybe. I was the king, baby. I'm going to be the pirate king. Darren Murray. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, Sanji starts cracking jokes. He's like, how do you know if it's a fly? <laughs> You're so stupid. Iron Fist dates can't just chop. And next thing you know, he fucking karate chops this, this table. He's like, he like, forget the karate kid, man. This guy just fucking breaks the table in half. Which, I don't know. That seems pretty pointless to me. It's just like, yo, man, there's other ways to solve this. You see this broken bowl and soups on the ground. And you know what? Sanji's just kind of like over. He's like, ah, I made the soup. I spent three days doing this shit, skimming the fat off of it. So it tastes amazing. I spent three days on the soup. You waste. And it's about to get real bad. Real, real bad. Next thing you know, Sanji's getting real pissed. And guess what? Here come the rest of the Straw Hats through the door. Because Luffy's in the kitchen working hard. And uh, next thing you know, you see blood dripping down to the ground. Pan to this bloody Marine's face. And you see Sanji in all his greatness and glory and drawing some slight shading on his nose and whatnot. He's holding up this guy. He's like, how dare you waste food? You know what? Picking a fight with a chef is like asking for suicide. I'm going to make your life a living hell. And that's the end of episode 20. So what's your thoughts? I mean, this is a pretty action-packed episode. Sanji gets it. Just like all of these Postmates drivers I've recently seen texting people get it. Like memes of like speeding cars and fucking just saying everything's going to be all right. I'll be there soon. Food is important, no matter how you get it. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn more about Sanji in the upcoming episodes. But it's, it's a solid start to this arc, I think. Uh, I think this one's pretty fun. A lot of, a lot of shit's going to happen in this, this arc here with, with Sanji. But uh, yeah, basically, I was saying earlier, um, Full Body basically realizes that he is, uh, thought he was rolling up to like an Applebee's when instead he showed up to the Dick's Last Resort of the East Blue. Fun episode. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a hell of a time, actually. Like, you, you really start seeing that Sanji's a badass. Like, at this point, you're like, you see, you think Zoro's pretty badass, and Usopp's a little bit badass. Luffy's kind of just idiotic in some cases. But nah, man, Sanji's like, I'll kick your ass over a bowl of soup. Like, this man will fight you for a breadcrumbs especially if it's to make his favorite pasta but yeah and he smokes he does he's not fucking going around with a lollipop in his mouth like kojak anymore wait who the hell is kojak it's a de- it's two detective series on tv Steve. oh not currently okay, i'll give you no, that it is I, an I older know reference kojak is but Definitely not current. I thought I thought you were mentioning the four kids dub version, which I have seen. Um, well, he was, but then he was also saying that. So for the, for those who missed it, Steve was going to say, One Piece originally came to the U.S. through four kids, a localization company. Um, 
some of their dubs and localization choices were criticized over time, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I can at least attest that I probably wouldn't have seen One Piece as early as I did if I hadn't seen it on four kids. So exposure is worth more than nothing, I guess, is I think what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I think some people have come around to it over time, especially because it's long have been the day since we get those kinds of localizations anymore. But Sanji, because he smokes, and smoking is, I guess, socially acceptable in Japan, at least a little more to the extent than it is here in the U.S., where it's, like, very demonized at this point, where it's just, like, I don't know. The the way prohibition-style things work here are just, like, well, you can legally smoke in certain places, but... Plenty has been done to, I guess, show the dangers of smoking. And you will see billboards everywhere that tell you not to smoke, despite the fact that you can buy cigarettes at a store. It's much more a U.S. culture thing in terms of the way we censor those kinds of things. It's really weird. Yeah. The moral of the story, Sanji smokes. So that's how you know he's a cool guy, right? Yeah, man. No, actually, it's, it's, I think, more as someone who has worked in foods and in kitchens, it's just feeding into the stereotype that lots of cooks smoke. That's actually that's just the thing. <laughs> Not all of them, but plenty do in kitchens I've worked in. Yeah. So that was episode twenty. So now the end of tonight's entertainment. Episode twenty one. Unwelcome customer. Sanji's food and Gein's debt. So one thing, I can't remember what the fuck they said in the four kids dub. I could have sworn they said like Barity. I don't know. For whatever reason in my head it's always just like Barity, Barity, yeah. Uh, I think they still said Barati, but they said it very like like Barati, not not Barati. I watched the Funimation dub. They got real French with it. Oh. Is it like Baratier? Yeah, it's Baratier. I didn't... Ugh. My French pronunciation of that was terrible, even though I took a year and a half. But yeah, they're like, welcome to the floating restaurant. Baratier. And I was just like, what the fuck? This is not at all how I thought this was going to go. Anyways, a Baratier chef. Ugh. Is rehearsing slogans in the bathroom, such as the infamous, the customer is always right. And let me tell you, <laughs> that's bullshit. Just, I've never specifically worked a uh, restaurant, that type of service, but I have definitely worked retail before. And Ever. customer is always right is definitely not true. But yeah, so you see him just coming out, saying that stuff, washing his hands, kind of creeping out someone else that's also in the bathroom. And uh, Sanji is beating a customer, yet. Again, Sanji's pretty much pulling a Sam Jackson from A Time to Kill, which is, you know, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell, because you just see him standing there with full body, just like beaten to a fucking bloody pulp, holding him by like his collar up in the air, and everyone's like, God damn it, Sanji, fuck, again? Full body had disrespected the food and Sanji, so in that mind, naturally, what the fuck else was Sanji supposed to do but beat the shit out of him? That is happening, and meanwhile, Luffy has his own fight with head chef Zeph, and that spills out into the dining room where Sanji just beat the shit out of this marine lieutenant because they break through dining room ceiling, which is the captain's floor, because they're just, like, fighting up there, and they just crash down in a giant hole. And you see the chef looking around like, what the fuck's happening here? Sanji again, and he hits Sanji, and fucking full body has a shit-eating grin on his face, because he's like, yeah, that's right, bitch. And then he gets hit, too, because, you know, they're making all this fucking mess in the restaurant, disturbing everything. And at that point, one of the Marines working under full body comes in, 
to tell the lieutenant that, hey, that prisoner that we have, that member of the Krieg pirates, he's uh, he's gotten away. My bad. And they're just like, what the fuck do you mean he got away? As soon as that happens, the escapee walks into the restaurant. He goes to an empty table, kicks his feet up, and just like, hey, yo, someone give me some food. So you see that customer-focused chef from before, whose name is Patty. Oh, hey, sir. How are you uh, going to be paying for this today? <laughs> The pirate pulls his gun and says, what about a bullet? And Patty beats the shit out of him pretty quickly because this dude, he hasn't been eating for a while because he's been a prisoner. And, you know, the customer is always right. But in Patty's mind, if you're not paying, you're not a customer. So get the fuck out of here. So, you know. Patty's great. Yo, man, he is. Patty beats the shit out of him. And then everyone's just cheering like, yeah, get him. Fuck that guy. Meanwhile, while everyone's attention is on Patty beating this dude. Sanji's just like in the kitchen making some food. So Patty kicks the dude out finally, and he's just like crawling with the last of his energy. He hasn't eaten in however long. He's just like, fuck, I wish I could eat. And that's when Sanji comes out by himself with the food that he had to give to the pirate. He refuses initially because, I mean, every man's got pride. Whatever the amount, it's still there. And so he's like, no, 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 I'm not paying for this. Can't eat this. And Sanji's like, look, you can eat this and survive and find something else to be prideful over, or you can just lay here and die, something along those lines. Luffy sees this because he's a terrible employee and he's not actually like working. He's just like out and he's just like, hey, this guy, I want him to be my new chef. So yeah, he just goes over to Sanji's like, hey, you, you're going to be in my crew. And Sanji's like, no, why the fuck would I do that? But you see... You don't have a choice. And Sanji's just like, get the fuck away from me. And, you know, they start talking about the chef, Zeph, who used to be a cook in a pirate fleet. I'm going to assume that's going to come back around again later because they're kind of just like, oh, man, there's this really big crew and blah, blah, blah. And I'm blanking because I feel like I've definitely seen them again in a later episode that I watched while Stefan was asleep on his couch. But, uh, yeah, because there's always it's a floating restaurant. There's always just like civilians as well as marine officers and pirates just like visiting the ship and there's always fights between the pirates and the staff which is why all of their waiters keep quitting so the krieg pirate Gein tells luffy hey you you said you wanted to be an actual pirate and luffy's like yeah i'm gonna be the king of the pirates and he's like hey you should uh not go the grand line because like you're probably like actually gonna die so you should probably just like i don't know sail around here the east blue there's a lot of stuff to do as a pirate, even without going the Grand Line, and everything will probably work out for you. And Luffy's just like, nah, I'm good. I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Thanks, though, I guess. And he's like, oh, well, shit, I tried. You cut back to the kitchen, and you see Patty and another chef, Carne, who I'm going to assume with that name is a specialist when it comes to meat. They're fighting over, like, hey, why'd you beat this dude? You know Don Krieg's, like, the baddest motherfucker around here in these waters that we're in. You're just going to bring like, the negative attention. So those two are like getting into a big fucking blow up argument. Gein sets off. He's going to go back to Don Krieg and he's just like, well, thank you for the food. It's not really much I can do to repay you, but here we are. And Zeph comes out. He calls for Sanji and the chore boy Luffy. And uh, yeah, he's, Gein's like, shit, sorry that you're going to get in trouble now. And then Sanji just like immediately throws the dishes that he used in the ocean and says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, it's just that little bit of a 
I guess technically rule breaking, but just there's some compassion behind it between that uh, interaction with Sanji and Gein. Luffy and Sanji go back inside of the kitchen and Luffy's going around saying, hey, everybody, I'm your new chore boy. And he doesn't know what the fuck he's going to do. So he just like sits in a chair for a while as like everyone's running around the kitchen in a hurry because kitchens are always busy because of course they are. And then eventually they just start yelling at Luffy to do different things because otherwise it's just going to be useless. Eventually he's like going to wash the dishes and stuff like that. But for every dish that he washes, he just like throws it on the ground immediately, breaks the fuck out of them. And then they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing that? Go do this and this other task. And then eventually he almost destroys the entire kitchen just going around. And then there's like, okay, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. Just go take orders or something. Don't be in here. Theoretically... Luffy being Luffy, he could still easily fuck this up, but I guess I can see that small amount of damage control. He's going around the dining room trying to take customers' orders, you'd think, and he just, like, gets to the first table that he sees, and wouldn't you know it, it is the Straw Hat crew, and they immediately start fucking with him, and they're ordering all this delicious food, and Luffy's like, fuck you guys, I want to eat, you're here without me, and you know... Of course they are. What the fuck? What are they going to do? Just like sit around and do nothing. So Sanji comes out. He's doing his own rounds of the dining room and he sees Nami and he's just immediately. Did they do hard eyes? Yeah. For that scene? They do, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he does the hard eyes. He's like, I'm so in love with you. You're beautiful. And that is going to be a recurring thing for Sanji. Zeph comes out and he says, you know, maybe you should go leave with them and be a pirate. And Sanji's like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is where I am. This is where I'm supposed to be. Zeph's saying, nah, fuck it. Go with them. Whatever. Sanji's kind of fighting back against it a little bit. And that's when you cut to Gein. He's made his way in his little dinghy back to the lair of Don Krieg. And he tells his captain, hey, I've got a really good place for you to look up. We're going to go to the Baratier. And that is where episode 21 ends yeah do you guys have any thoughts this is definitely where in my opinion um shit starts hitting the fans with like um opponents this is where there's some mysteriousness around some of these opponents um whereas before we've always just seen oh it's like Okay, it's some opponent. I mean, besides Buggy, I guess. Buggy was kind of mysterious because it was like, oh, who's this fucker with the red nose? And so, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's this is like a big opponent in my opinion. It's one of the first big opponents in the whole series. Uh, but you guys will find that out next episode. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more good buildup. I think, again, touching on more like of the serious hints that Oda likes to drop in there in terms of, like, topics he brings up. Yeah, being hungry sucks. As much as Sanji can be a goofball in the future, as much as, you know, some certain character personality types and tropes set in, uh, his early introduction here, I forgot how kind of strong that is. It's just, you know, you, you see how he interacts with full body, and he's just like, nah, like, I'm gonna... You know, he tries to be a good waiter, but, I mean, he also, like, knows that it's, like... Now, this guy's a dick, and he feeds this guy, and he, you know, he has this little spiel about, like, it's life or death on the seas, you know, my goal is just to feed people, because, you know, anyone who's hungry is a customer, kind of a thing. 
we'll learn more through this arc as well about that. But I, I think that works well in his favor, and it like just shows more of how like Oda's trying to develop these different characters and like have their different backstories with like pretty relatable shit. Because I don't know, most people have been hungry at some point in their life, some more than others. So they think there's same keeping it real. Good continued buildup for this arc. Yeah, how about you, Brian? Not much that you guys can already cover right now. Yeah, I'm mostly thinking from my own perspective. Like Slash said, you know, being hungry sucks. It's There's a lot of people hungry in the world. I'm thinking of my perspective of the... Uh, people will think they're right. Doesn't mean that they are. Especially if they just assume due to their position in life. For example, in a restaurant, in some sort of service situation. They're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the one with the money. Clearly, I mean everything. Everything belongs to me. Which, uh, you know, is a good Bane quote from Dark Knight Rises. And you think this gives you power over me? Just, he's going around being a complete fucking dick. He's wasting this food. Which, beyond just the fact that someone put effort into it, it's the thought of, that could have been eaten by someone that's just not going to anymore. But yeah. Cool. It's an awesome episode. Yeah, that was the uh, episode recap do some uh quick plugs what about you steve what do you have so i got twitter um same as last week it's capital s and the rest is steve and then capital h and horniak so all together it's my name steve horniak on twitter give me a follow there and more great one piece related content with some zany tweets in between all there although i've been taking a break recently so yeah no worries. I'll get back onto that sometime soon, whenever I find time. I'm, I'm not doing other things like work, work, shit like that. Okay. And uh, what about you, Slosh? If you would like to follow my Twitter for news about nothing, news about real life, news about video games, uh, that is at Roblink, R A W B L I N K. Uh, and if you would like to watch me sweat live in real time as I attempt to finish video games and have some fun on Twitch, uh, it's twitch.tv slash roblink, same spelling. Okay, you can find me at Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, don't really use that anymore. With the handle at ltubacabra, that's E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. You can find the show at Reluctant Cruise on Twitter and reluctantcruise at gmail.com if you want to email us. And uh, yeah, fuck the sea cops. And you know, just uh, stay on that cruise, everyone. hardware stuff for the internet and for my classes and i don't know what it's, to do with your camera though i don't know why it like has it's it's all right copper bought, bought it for me i'm really appreciative for it so thank you again copper but eventually
It looks good, but I'm wondering what's up with the scan lines, though. Uh, computer, I don't know. Could either be the connection or maybe yeah. check the driver for it. I'm not sure. You look like you're going to be in one of those porn videos where they have uh, people that are shoplifting. So it's still that higher quality, but you still got the scan lines. So you see some dick on Discord. No. I know, JK. JK, JK. JK. Oh shit, this is recorded. Well, this is going in the bloopers. Damn. Blooper reel for this show. Blooper reel. (laughs) Blooper reels exist. I'm pretty sure if I looked hard enough, an iPod touch I found could possibly have an Ethernet port on it. Remember, I went to the store because my older cousins. Both had Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, and then I wanted to get a Super Nintendo, and then my dad took me to the Best Buy, and it said the sales clerk was like, but wait, have you seen Mario in 3D? And I was like, bitch, what? And then I ended up walking home with Mario 64 and an N64 instead. The downside was I couldn't get another game till like my next birthday, because that was that was the new thing, so I could only rent a few things. I should have gone for the Super Nintendo and gotten all the cheap things in hindsight, because... Yes, but I eventually got most of the games I would want anyway over time because of swap meets. That was the one system I waited at midnight for. Me and Schmeagol did that in like 10th, 11th grade, whenever they came out. We were like, should we try and get this Wii thing? We are like, yeah, why not? And so I remember I woke up at like 2 in the morning and me and him, our parents both drove us to the local Target, which is technically by Edwin's house, William's house. But yeah, and then there was, we were, there were like a line of like, I think there were like 30 people ahead of us. And then at seven, one of the opening clerks came by and were like, all right, we have like 90 something spots. So if you're camping out, I'm just telling you now while we're opening the store, cause we're still got to open for like an hour more to like prep. But anyone who's waiting now, I don't want to disappoint you. So there you go. So I think like a handful of people walked away from the back cause they were like, oh, whatever. But we were like. 40 or 50 in line, so we just made it. It was it was alright. It's not like how people go wild over like pre-ordering scalping crap online now. It was, it was, a, it was a time to be alive, if anything.